Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. But we do get to talk to someone right now that can kind of explain why he was so successful yesterday. Joining us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, um, covering the Bulls for the Chicago Tribune. It is none other than Julia Poe. Julia, what's up? Thanks for coming on the show again. Hey, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Of course. So so what what is it that you saw? Because for me, Julia, it didn't seem – there wasn't much deviation from a typical Vooch game, but now here we are 43 points later and, and a Bulls victory. What, what did you see that was the difference? Yeah, I think it was just a good job on behalf of both the coaching staff and also Vooch himself of just recognizing where those mismatches exist. There's some games where Vooch is not going to have the advantage in terms of size being able to get to his spots there's some games where he will this was one of those and they really took advantage of that really from the jump just understood that they needed to feed him early and often and he was able to capitalize on it julia i i we talked about this saturday before the game mm-hmm. <laughs> about how the bulls they, they they're really good about playing down to their competition and then playing up to their competition depending on which side of the good or bad they are on, and certainly the Warriors are the defending world champs. So I know you, like me, were not surprised to see the Bulls win that game. Can this continue? I mean, or is this just what it is for the Bulls this season? Yeah, I think the consistency is really the thing that's starting to become confounding. You know, for the team itself, I mean, the players talk about it, coaches talk about it. The real frustration is just that they know they get these home games against these, you know, elite top teams in both conferences and they they show up to them they play at the top of their abilities and then you know you'll have those inconsistencies where you just have an unexpected upset to a team that should be an easy beat for them so i think that that's really where it's at the consistency i think is kind of the most frustrating thing to nail down because billy donovan has talked about it a lot his his players know what they need to do they understand the game plan going in night in night out sometimes it's there sometimes it's not and figuring out where that disconnect is, that's that's what's necessary to get them up over the line. Yeah, and it's frustrating because you see them play a team like Golden State yesterday, and and you saw, I don't want to say that they were coming in lazy, but you know they fell victim to something that the Bulls fall victim to often, which you were just mentioning, Marshall, is that you play down to your competition. And I'm sure the Golden State Warriors thought, we got a full squad, we're ready to go, we're probably going to knock these guys out, they don't got a DeMar. But then you see the effort on the other side for the Chicago Bulls. Bulls, Next game is in Paris against Detroit. Um, and I guess to continue that conversation, what what do they need to do? I mean, you talk about the focus, right? Uh, but is it on the defensive end or is it, you know, taking better shots in order to beat the teams that they should like a Detroit Pistons? I think it does come from the defensive end first. And that's really where you kind of see this team get bogged down in first quarters, especially, but also sometimes in third quarters coming out from the half. We even saw that yesterday against Golden State is just being able to apply that pressure. This is a team that's really good on the run. They're great in transition. They can score in transition well. But when they allow themselves to get into a situation where another team is getting a lot of second chance looks, a lot of looks from three-point range that are, you know, bouncing out, that sort of thing, that's kind of where they get bogged down and just not being able to actually set their own rhythm and their own pace in a game. So that's what worked yesterday against Golden State. It was Vooch 
but it was also just from the beginning, they took the top of that perimeter really personally and the defense that they were applying there really spread to the rest of their game. Well, we saw with the 23 turnovers, the Warriors playing as they are want to do lackadaisical. And a lot of times they can just play lackadaisical and then they come back and win the game. And, and they, they came back and made it a tight game at one point, but the Bulls kind of held on and persevered. Zach Levine, he's the, the big money man now. So like when things go wrong, they're going to look at him. He had 27 points, you know, just 7 of 18 from the field, but he leaned on Vooch like everybody else did. My question is, going forward, when, when DeMar DeRozan is, is, is reintegrated into this lineup, mm. will they be able to get things together on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively, to get more than a play-in spot? Because, you know, they're sitting in a play-in spot right now. They're at 10. Like I, I feel like everyone believes that's where they're going to end up. Is there a chance that something happens that – that says, okay, no, we're going to be a top six team in the East. Yeah, I mean, I think just getting up over, like you said, over that line to even be a play-in team is the first step right now. I mean, they have just not been able to budge out of really this 10-11 spot that they've been kind of just flitting up and down between for such a long time. And I think you kind of bring up an interesting point there about once DeMar comes in, it's kind of back to the same battle that they've been having since they put together this, you know, big three of all-stars of – figuring out how to get all three of these guys to click at the same time. It's not necessarily a coincidence that Booch is having a career high night when DeMar is out. And on one hand, you want that. You want your all-stars to be able to step up when another guy is down. But I think that they're still really trying to figure out how to get that cohesive offense running. And we were seeing that in that run of wins that they had. What that was built upon was DeMar, Booch, and Zach, all three being able to perform together on the offensive side of the ball. And that's the kind of thing that can really keep this team winning games, even when the defense is still hit or miss. We got Julia Poe from the Chicago Tribune hanging out with us here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez, joined by Marshall Harris. Julia, I'm watching the game against Golden State, and in the middle of the game I started to think to myself, why are they trying to partake in a three-point contest with the Golden State Warriors, knowing that they're the inferior team when it comes to that? But, But the opposite side of the argument is, we keep asking for the Bulls to shoot more three-pointers, and they did, mm-hmm. 39 of them in this game. Do you think that that could be a recipe for success for the Chicago Bulls just to put up more threes because statistically we know that works, or do you think this was just an anomaly and they were just trying to go toe-to-toe against the Warriors? It's definitely not an anomaly. We've kind of seen that number trending up a little bit more in, I would say, the last like 10 games or so of just more attempts. Uh, you know, and it, It's kind of an interesting crystallization of it when you've got – you know, uh, the team in the league that takes the most three-pointers against the team that takes the absolute least, mm-hmm. uh, which was what yesterday's game was. Um, so I don't, I don't think that's necessarily an anomaly because this team knows that they don't take enough three-pointers. They know that that is an area they need to get better in, but they only have a select few players that can really address that problem. That's Zach Levine, Kobe White. Some of the other guards can get in there and help. Vooch gets in there a little bit, but it really is on some of those you know, it really is only on a couple of those players, but you are seeing that attempt being made of getting that volume up because they're just not able to hang with teams offensively on a consistent basis if they don't. I, I was shocked because Alex Caruso came out blazing. Flat. Well, like, you know I- why, though? Wait, you know why, though, right? Because of the trade rumors. So they're like, oh, Alex Caruso to the Golden State Warriors. So he thought it was an audition. He, oh. thought, he thought he was putting on for this. He's like, did you guys see that? You see that defense? You see that three I just made? 
Listen, I, I'll say this, Julia. We know the trade deadline's right around the corner. I mean, we're less than a month away right now, and I, I'm looking at this Bulls team, and I don't know if they're going up, down, sideways, left, right, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. Be select Shout out Contra. Shout out Contra. Yeah, like I, I don't know. Do you told have, you I'm older than you? Do you do you have a sense of of what they're going to do or try to do, or are they buyers, sellers, stand still, waiting for Alonzo Ball to come back next season sometime? Yeah, I mean, bringing up the Lonzo Ball point is a, a great note to add in just because that really is where so much of the uncertainty just for this entire roster comes from. But, you know, in terms of the trade deadline, when you look at it, it it's strange because consistency has been such a continual note for this team for about a year and a half now. We know that. We've heard them say it. Every time we get up to a deadline, there's always obviously a lot of questions, but it really does seem like, it, at least in terms of any calls to blow things up, that does not seem to be on the horizon at all. There might be some smaller moves, smaller changes, but in terms of what this team has right now and what they're looking at, they're trying to get a good look at their complete package together for once. And that's still not a possibility with Lonzo out. We don't know when he's coming back. Really nobody is certain or clear on what the future looks like for him. And so with that kind of massive question mark hanging, it does kind of tie them down just in how much they really can do when you've got such a big and also expensive player just kind of completely taken out of the equation there. Yeah, and I, I will look at, you know, the roster. If you're looking at the construct of it, you do love, you know, what you've been able to get from your bench. And, and the second team for the Chicago Bulls has just been phenomenal, starting with, you know, Kobe White, how he's been playing as of late. Goran Dragic started off the season well, but it seems, I don't know if you've noticed it, Julia, these last, like, two weeks, he's kind of, I don't want to say, like, falling off a cliff. But, you know, when you get a little older, you know, when you when you first get to the gym, you're knocking down shots because you got all the energy. But, you know, 30 minutes in for me, Julia, I got my hands on my knees and I'm panting. Is that what we're experiencing from Goran Dragic? Well, I think the difficulty for Goran started a little bit earlier when he took that shoulder injury. And that that was to his shooting arm. And it really he really never snapped back into that early season form that you're talking about since then. I would not be surprised if durability was a concern there just in terms of, you know, we, we've seen him take some of those rest games off already just in terms of trying to keep him healthy and able to be active. I think what I do like that he's been able to do, though, regardless of whether he's scoring from the three-point line, is that his ball distribution is still a huge help to that secondary unit. And that's been a little bit of a lift for that group. They didn't really have kind of that marshal for the secondary unit last season, and that's kind of helped them be a little bit calmer, a little bit quicker in transition, and just kind of have a little bit of a better sense of organization when they're in that group, even when, like you said, his his shots necessarily aren't falling the way they were at the start of the year. I look at this team, Julia, and I say the microcosm, the thing that I look at every night, when whether they win or lose, is I'm looking at Patrick Williams' line and knowing he's playing 30-plus minutes and knowing sometimes he's giving you, you know, 15 points and he's filling up the stat sheet. Other nights, he's not doing much, and – it's like when you watch the game and you know he's out there because the ball does go through him on offense. He gets, you know, catches the ball, he decides to pass or shoot or whatever. At times he's looked like he is trying to force the issue. At other times he's just like a guy who's on the team. I, I, I'm, I don't know what to make of where he stands with this team, not just right now, but going forward and how they view him and look at him, a guy who was obviously a top pick in the draft. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, something that I've seen from Patrick is that a lot of times we've started seeing him really get consistent in those first quarters. He'll come out, hit a couple threes, look really nice on the offensive end. He's consistent all the way through on the defensive end, but he'll just kind of stop 
taking shots as the game goes on. He'll take less shots in the second quarter, less in the third, and then sometimes he'll only take one or two in the fourth. And I get that on one hand. I get that sometimes he's still deferring a little bit to some of those veteran players. He knows that, you know, DeMar down the stretch in the fourth quarter is so dependable that maybe he's going to look to him a little bit more. But I think that's one of the things I'd like to see from Patrick Moore because the team believes in him. They've been emphasizing that they don't necessarily put as much of pressure on him in terms of just this quick development, quick growth that I know a lot of fans obviously want to see. They want to see him at full potential as soon as possible. But I think for me, what I'd like to see is just him taking a little bit more risks in the second half and just taking a little bit more shots in that area and not feeling necessarily like he can't own those moments. Mm. And I think that's just one of those steps for him because we, we know he has it in him. We know that he has that ability, but until he's really testing, testing himself in those areas, it's going to look like that feeling of he does kind of fade into the woodwork, especially in, in those closing moments of games. I'm just going to remind everyone, like I remind myself every time I watch the Bulls play, okay. the man is 21 years old. He's 21 mm-hmm. years old. That, that, it seems but you still like, want him to care. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I think he does care. I think he. I think there's yeah. a lot of no. If I you think, were to put, if you were to take the Bulls roster and then take the guys that care and put it in order, he would not be in the top five guys that care. I think he. I think he plays like they I care. I think he's worried about fitting in when he's playing with that I agree big with three that. and those superstars and knowing where he falls in rank. That's what Julius' Julie, before, point was. I agree before with we that. let you get out of here, I just want to know. On a personal tip, are you salty? Are you happy? How do you feel about not being in Paris since the Bulls only have one game this week? I just need to know. Like, where where do you stand on that? Listen, I would. I'd love to be out there. Definitely, I think anyone who covers the Bulls or just cares about them would love to be on that trip. But you know what? I'm going to go see my mom. I'm going to celebrate her birthday this week. So. Silver lining to everything. Um, at least there's that positive to it, and I'm looking forward to watching them play over there on Thursday. Well, she has her she has her French book in her hand right now. She was practicing. She downloaded Duolingo, and she's she's really upset to be very honest. Look, I'm giving you a lovely au revoir. That's all. That's all I can do. For bon bonne Bon voyage. Exactly. <laughs> oh, we're tr- we're trash Americans right now, Julia. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We appreciate you giving us some time. Yeah, thanks, guys. You have a great day. Julia Poe from the Chicago Tribune. And that's me after Hanging eight us. years of French, by the way. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.